Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by David Woolman. Just a two-man show for today. Devin feeling a little bit under the weather. Uh, David, it is a uh, let's see, it is a Monday morning. It is eleven thirty on the docket. Um, how are you feeling this morning, man? I am feeling fantastic. Tom Brady's going to another Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was, that was a fun time yesterday, was it not? Um, so yeah, for those who don't know, both David and I we're both New England transplants um, who are you know diehard Boston sports fans, and it's been a very very conflicting time for Patriots fans just because of what's happened with Tom Brady down in Tampa. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. How I'm not going to speak for all Patriots fans, but I mean, I loved yesterday. That was so much fun to watch getting back there for the 10th time. Just what a, uh, what a career, man. We, we, we just, we don't deserve Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that Wayne's where we're, we're not worthy. We, we we're are, not man. worthy. It's, 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 it's incredible. Just uh, when you factor in just everything that went into this year, just with not even getting a preseason in a brand new team, a brand Brand new offense and nothing changes. No, same old Tom. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yes, fun times uh, outside of all this for us. Um, but for today, obviously on the menu is uh, talking a little bit of high school basketball. Um, so when we think, um, you know, after last week, you know, we were just playing a little bit of catch up, just trying to touch on a few of the notable subplots from the first half of the season. Well, now we're going to kind of narrow the scope and focus more so on what has happened, I guess, within the past week. And then we'll do a little bit of a look ahead to what's going on later on this week. Um, I know, David, on your plate last week on Friday was a very high profile game out in District 66A. And that's where we can start. Um, you know, you uh, you kind of uh, previewed this a little bit last week um, on the uh, on the podcast. But um, Capel and Marcus, the highly anticipated rematch between the top two teams in District 66A on the boys' side. Um, Marcus got got the uh, got the better from the first go around. Um, you know, there were some mitigating circumstances with the sort of schedule that Capel was on at the time. So when you're under a more a far more uh, standard routine heading into Friday's rematch, what sort of difference would um, would there be? And well, it sounds like it mattered at least somewhat because Capel returned the favor, and they returned the favor. Um, I guess the final score, you know, sounds like a, a bit of a closer game. Otherwise, it sounds like though Capel was in pretty firm control of this one for most of the way. Um, what was it, fifty-eight to fifty-four? Fifty-eight to fifty-four. So, um, I mean, yeah, obviously you were uh, you were courtside. So, um, if you uh, kind of put your uh, put yourself back in uh, in that uh, that gymnasium over there at uh, Capel, that very nice gymnasium. Love that gymnasium. <laughs> it is right there with the best that we have in our coverage area. Um, so, what um what were kind of the big takeaways from this one? What was Capel doing that was so effective and how did they uh kind of take control of the uh the district race in this one um you go back in this game and 
it, it was just an amazing game to watch from you know from both sides. Even mm-hmm. though Marcus they they lost by four points, you got to feel good about the way that Marcus competed in this game mm-hmm. because there's a time in this game where it looks like Capel could have just blown the water out really? of him. Um, Marcus uh, got up by two points. Um, uh, like Nick Donnelly, he was having an incredible night. It seems like he just couldn't miss at all. Their point guard, mm-hmm. he scored 31 points that game too. Wow! Even when they they were got down by double figures, like you hand him the ball, he's going to find the open spot on the floor and he's going to knock that down but um look the big play uh anthony black um if there's one play that really defined this game it was like he made a three-pointer with like no time left in the first quarter okay and it was kind of a broken play too um i asked him about this game and he said that the play was originally designed to go to his teammate and didn't Nazir Brown, mm-hmm. um, who's who's been absolutely fantastic ever since he's come back, come over here from LD Bell, mm-hmm. um, and quite you know, and obviously I didn't think he was going to have too much of a problem with chemistry because he's played with Anthony Black, he's played with Devon Crane, he's played with Ryan Agarwal before. They're both on the same AAU team, so I figured their chemistry would be instant. Mm-hmm. But um, on this particular play, um, he was you know he was trying to get him some ISO, and I think Marcus broke it up. Unfortunately, the like a bike got the ball, and he just kind of did like a running three-pointer. His time expired. Okay. Boom. Capel goes up by a point after the first quarter. After that, like, Capel won on a 15-0 run right there. And then the first play, the first basket of the second quarter, Black, you know, like I said, he made that three-pointer to end the first quarter. He makes another one, not not from three points this time, but he makes an alley-oop dunk that Nas throws him. Yeah. that's. Does Anthony Black shoot a lot of threes when you've seen them? Um, he'll shoot maybe around three or four threes okay. a game. Okay. I was wondering, because I know, I mean, the athleticism is off the charts, it's, and I'm used to seeing him use that length to throw down uh, some pretty nice stuff at the rim. But I, I used to, in the times that I saw them last year, I don't recall the three-pointer being as, uh, as, as, as prominent a part in his game uh, he's a he's a hard worker man this yeah, kid yeah. you know like i think he's trying to show that the, these college scouts right here that you know he's not just like a player who can just slash he can shoot it from three points oh, yeah, as well no, he, too. Was, he was very very versatile very well versed player yeah so yeah i mean he, he finished the game with 23 points okay wow um yeah he was he was incredible they can, just, they can hit you from so many ways man it's, I, I, can either one of those three can go off for 25 a night it's such a, an embarrassment of riches that exactly has. yeah and uh like I said, Capel they want to they want to buy uh, six they want to buy about fifteen sixteen points in the second quarter. Okay, and obviously you think okay you know Capel's going to run this game going away, and but you know what like Marcus like they just kept fighting and fighting. Um, Kale Martin's their six foot six center. Yeah, yeah. like he had like six or eight points there late in the second quarter, and they only trailed by six points mm-hmm. at halftime after all that all that blitzing that Capel was doing. Um, and the thing that Capel was not only doing besides the black, what black was doing on the court, I, uh, he, they were deflecting a lot of shots or blocking shots as well too. So, I mean, I think that kind of maybe kind of like caught Marcus off guard a mm-hmm. little bit, just that, like the activity right there around the rim. So like they got up double digits and then Marcus did a good, great job of weathering the storm. And they actually cut it to three points with like, you know, about, uh, about four or five minutes left in the game. Um, and then Capel just finished, the game at the free throw line. Really? Um, Marcus was like already already committed seventh foul of the f- second half. So Capel, like they were just kind of playing a little bit of a stall game to get them on the get get themselves on the free throw line. Okay, and obviously you you like with that much time left and it's still a three point game, you've got to give. That shows you how much confidence your head coach has in their players out there to knock down free throws. Yeah, sure. So uh, in the last four four oh one in that game, they shot twenty free throws. 
goodness. How, Dude, how long did that take? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I was kind of worried about my deadline yeah. right here. I'm like, guys, I mean, I got a story to write here. So, that yeah, like... and, they, and they went 15 of 20 at the free throw line during that wow. span. That's clutch. That's yeah, really huge. Yeah. And who was I mentioning before? Niles Brown? Mm-hmm. Mr. Fourth Quarter. Oh, yeah. like, you remember that game against Louisville? He scored 18 points. This guy right here, he had 12 points against uh, Marcus in the fourth quarter. Wow. And he had... And he only had one field goal. The rest of them were free throws. He went nine of ten at the free throw line in the fourth quarter. That's a, it. Sounds like they uh, they did a lot of stuff that um you know the times that I've seen Marcus this year. You know you mentioned the uh, the activity and the on defense and you know disrupting stuff at the rim. You know getting in passing lanes and whatnot. Those are that's kind of been one of the staples of what Marcus has done in amassing this run that they've gotten on this season. Because yeah, I mean obviously you know Donnelly is is a traditional point guard in that sense. He's got a great shot, but he's really the floor general. Type for them, Martens is um, is a huge presence for them down low. But they've got so many other guys that are all kind of interchangeable. That can do a lot of different things. Whether mm-hmm. it's post up, handle the ball, shoot guys like Zane Hickey, Luke Smith, uh, Brock Susco. They've um, they. they have a lot of length and size and versatility that kind of gives uh, you know Coach Shane Rogers a lot of uh, options at his uh, at his um, at his disposal and you know you've seen a lot of times that that's kind of what they're able to do is really throw teams off their rhythm by using that length to disrupt things on defense. So it sounds like Capel just kind of made a you know kind of put Marcus in a bit of a uh, kind of took him out of their comfort zone a bit because that's not a Marcus team that's really had to fight back from too many massive deficits this no. season. So um, but yeah, that's with um you know with Capel you have those those players like um you know like black and like uh, agarwal ryan agarwal who um they have that proven experience as far as winning these high stakes games as you saw you know last season and route to a, a back-to-back district championship so for them to pull out a game of this caliber um i mean i wasn't surprised you know it's just they've they've been there they've done that and mm-hmm. it's just you know this is just uh, another day in the uh, another day in the park for them versus a marcus team that is still you know kind of you know trying to figure out how to win games of that of that caliber they've been awesome this year um you know i don't know i guess um what expectations might have been internally as far as them potentially contending for a district title. I know they had a lot of you know continuity from that team last year that you know sort of made a a late surge to qualify for the playoffs and whatnot. But um, it's been a strong year for Marcus. But uh, Capel though is uh, they're still the uh, the standard bearer right now mm-hmm. in District Six Six A as they've been though for the last uh, I guess they're now in uh, in the uh, driver's seat for a third consecutive district championship. One, there's the one game ahead of of, of Marcus, mm-hmm. and the only reason because that's Flower Mound. <laughs> They're cross-town rivals. It is wild, and I did kind of want to now talk a bit about kind of what this means elsewhere in the district because we know who one and two are right now. And at the same time, though, you look at the number of close calls that both Capella and Marcus have had even prior to playing this game on Friday, and there's really no chance to rest on your laurels in any capacity because Marcus, their only other loss in district play, came to last place Flower Mound in a game that was 30-28. to So, again, don't know if that was one where they were just kind of pounding the air out of the ball and maybe taking advantage of there not being a shot clock in uh, in high school basketball in Texas, but um, nevertheless, though the uh, the Jaguars were able to get a thirty to twenty eight upset over Marcus, and all of a sudden now that might be the the uh, the difference between splitting district championships and Capel winning it outright for the uh, for the third straight year. Um, so yeah, it's it's been wild though this district because it really doesn't feel like there is any one matchup that you can just chalk up as okay, well it's going to be a cakewalk for for Team A over Team B. 
Yeah. There, um, I mean, so, you know, kind of looking elsewhere beyond Capel and Marcus. So Capel right now is 7-1 and one in district play. Marcus, 6-2. and two. Um, Elsewhere, it's a little bit of that kind of that middle class is a little bit clustered. You've got Louisville at 5-3 and three in third place. Then you have a tie for fourth between Hebron and Plano East. A uh, nice little resurgent year for Plano East under head coach Matt Wester. They are both 4-4, four and four, and then one game back in sixth place is Plano, who uh, qualified for the playoffs last year as a uh, as a four seed. The um, just kind of looking at kind of the way that these four teams are trending. The big winner last week was Louisville. They, it's been kind of an interesting year for the for the Farmers. Obviously, they made some headlines in the offseason following the transfer of reigning District MVP Keontae George, who still plays basketball in Louisville, but he plays for the I School of Louisville, a program that plays a uh, kind of a national schedule. So he um, yeah he opted to transfer there in the offseason and all of a sudden now you know kind of the engine to that Louisville offense because he was I mean he was our all area MVP last year he was I mean I think he closed the year with like I think 30 points in his last four or five games I mean he's one of the top players in the country for for a reason and you saw that last season um, you know but he's now playing elsewhere so what does that mean for Louisville they actually got off to a pretty encouraging start they were state ranked for a good chunk of the season and then they hit a little bit of a spell there midway through district with losses to Capel, Marcus, and then one to Hebron. So um, a team that really hadn't incurred any sort of adversity in, a, you know, in that sense. How are they going to work out of this little rough patch? And they've done so, though, with three straight wins. Um, they beat Plano West, and then last week they beat Plano East, obviously, which looms large considering the East is just one game behind them in the standings. And then they followed up with the, uh, with a close win. They had to rally a bit, but they were able to then top Flower Mound, I believe, on uh, on Friday, 56-51. to 51. You know, Kylan Green has kind of picked up the slack as far as taking the uh, the reins as their go-to score. He was kind of the number two last year behind George, you know, but he was still getting you a good, you know, good 18-20 a night mm-hmm. as a nice little, um, you know, uh, plan B, you know, versus uh, George's plan A. But he's now taking the reins there. And the big thing during the stretch is the contributions they're getting elsewhere because that was one thing that was, you know, you look throughout that depth chart and there's really not a whole lot of just proven varsity minutes within that rotation. But you see now during this stretch that it's not just Kylan Green, you know, again, Against, uh, against Flower Mount, he also got 19 points from Adrian Banks, who I believe is just a sophomore, their uh, their point guard. And then um, in the win against Plano East, you had uh, you know Traylon Green had 16 points, Kylan had 11, Will Curtis had 10, Adrian had nine. So when you get those sort of balanced contributions, it makes them. I mean, I just think that elevates their ceiling so much more when it's not just Kylan Green that's having to shoulder the load and get you 25, 30 a night. So they look to have at least for the time being, you know, kind of righted the ship a bit. Um, and then with, you know, with Plano East, they've been, um, it's they've been a nice, nice, fun little bounce back story. They were sort of on the cusp last year of maybe breaking through and getting into the playoffs for the first time under Coach Wester, but they fell short. I believe it might have actually been on the final night of the regular season, but they were in the hunt, you know, deep into the year. But they've now climbed to 500. And actually, actually if the playoffs started today, they would get that last playoff spot by virtue of a head to head win on the road over Hebron. I was at that game. It's actually a really good game. Um, you know, that's uh, you know this East team. They really do kind of hang their hat on defense. You know, they're the shooting is a little bit spotty and whatnot. They're not the, the biggest team, you know, so you know, those uh, those taller front courts are going to overwhelm them, and that's one thing you saw at least a little bit as far as how Hebron was able to make that game a bit closer down the stretch mm-hmm. was the work that some of their big men did. You know, but they've got, um, you know, some solid experience there with Connor Johnson and um, Isaiah Hyman, um, you know, Damian Gunnels, who's a, uh, who's a standout on the uh, on the football team. He gives them a nice shot in the arm on defense. They've got this uh, this sibling backcourt of, uh, of Brandon and Deuce Hardison, you know, some real crafty ball 
handlers that can make some nice finishes inside. It's a fun little team. You know, it's a fun little team, and they've, you know, had a nice little uh, resurgence season so far. They went one and one last week. They did, however, get to avenge a loss to Plano West from their uh, from their district opener way back when, man. I mean, West ran them out of the gym in that opener, and then East was able to return the favor, beat them 58-50 to 50, um, last week. Um, Hebron has been, um, you know, Hebron's, Hebron and Plano were very, very similar in that there's not going to be a, you know, I guess Hebron and I guess Plano should, for that matter, might have a little bit more of a uh, kind of an uptick in firepower than they've had in previous years with uh, Makai Dorsey and Xavier Williams. But this Hebron team, it reminds me a lot of Plano teams you've seen in the past where there's like six, seven, eight guys that could potentially lead your team in scoring just depending mm-hmm. on who's hot. But it's never going to be any one guy that just goes nuts. Yep. They're always going to have a bunch of guys that kind of top out around like 12, you know, 12 points or so. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's David Deal, um, George Babineau with their big man down low, Noah McKinney, Alex Cotton, Nate Mercer. Um, Ezekiel, um, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, an overon, <laughs> but he's a, he's a nice little. Uh, when I saw him against Plano East, he was actually the hot man against uh, against East, but he had a nice little. Uh, he's a, he's a, and another one of their bigs, but he's um he's got a nice little throwback back to the basket game, hitting a lot of turnaround jumpers out of the post mm-hmm. stuff you don't really see at the high school level too much anymore, um you know. But they're uh, they're a fun little team, um you know. And then Plano, like I mentioned, with Dorsey, who was the co-defensive player of the year out of District Nine Six A last season, he's you know really come on strong. Strong offensively of late, Xavier Williams, who was a reserve last season, has really stepped up as far as complimenting Dorsey, as far as being one of their lead scorers most nights. You know, they've now started to kind of pick it up a bit. They got a big win over Hebron last week that really kind of boosts their chances as far as maybe climbing into the mix there. So, I mean, we got a long way to go. I mean, the big thing though, at least as far as kind of big picture stuff, is you know, it's you got to avoid the four seed. Absolutely. Because when you look at the playoffs, as far as those by district matchups, that means you're going to draw the one seed out of 5-6-A, which is McKinney right now. And let me tell you, man, McKinney is freaking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I saw them in, uh, I saw them last Friday against Prosper, and that was their, I believe what they've had now, four straight wins by at least 27 points. I mean, they're just raining hell on that district, and it is, they are uh, not to be trifled with. They, uh, I believe they're ranked number 10 in the state right now, and they, um, I mean, they're just, they're playing in such a good, good way right now. So, yeah. Stay out of the four seed because imminent death awaits you in the uh, in the first round out of six <laughs> day. Um, so yeah, and it's yeah, I don't know, it should be fun though. I love I love the uh, the the nip and tuck playoff races down to the wire, and it looks like we're going to get just that in yep. District Six Six A. Probably going to get that in a, in a different capacity though over in Frisco. You know, with Devin not being here, I'll pick up the reins a little bit, talk about um, one of his markets, and um, you know, over in Frisco, you've got a. You know, some nice little uh, competition as far as the district championship races are concerned. Just a quick look at that. On the on the girls' side, you have three teams that have 12 wins right now. And I say that because not everybody has played the same number of games because COVID stuff mm-hmm. has kind of shuffled the schedules a bit there. So Lone Star is in first place on the girls' side, 12-1. and one. Uh, Memorial, 12-2 and two in second place. Frisco Centennial is in third at 12-3. and three. And then, I guess, a half game back from... From, uh, Centennial is reigning Class Five A state champion Frisco Liberty at eleven and three. Um, it's I mean it's the four teams that if you're just going to power rank them at the start of the year, you expected all four of those teams to be in the mix mm-hmm. because of the the level of continuity that they all have coming back. They've all got so much star power, um, and that was I mean what made this race.
so much fun last year and you're seeing the same stuff materialize. It is kind of noteworthy just given all that Lone Star lost that they have performed as well as they have. Their only loss actually wasn't even to one of those other three teams in that top cluster. It's actually to Reedy. That's so, yeah. So nevertheless, I mean, Lone Star's picked up wins over a lot of those other powerhouses in the district and you know kyla deck i mean you knew what she was going to bring to the mix as far as a potential district mvp candidate she's been great jordan devon who is the uh, i believe either the newcomer of the year or the the, uh, sophomore of the year i don't know how that district shakes it out but she won some sort of accolade for being a really awesome young new player (laughs) to varsity so um but she's kind of now taken a taken a bit of a leap there but they've also gotten a lot of help elsewhere with some new uh some new additions to the rotation and they just they just reload lone star has been great forever it feels like and should be no surprise to see them doing great once again. Uh, again, Memorial with Jasmine Lott. They're, they're right in the mix. That was a team that finished second in district last season, I believe. And, um, I mean, yeah, that's obviously been you know, a strong year for them. Their only losses in district have been to Lone Star and Liberty with Centennial. I mean, their they're top-end firepower with um, with Madison Ott and uh, Layla Patel is, I mean, it's it's just absolutely devastating what those two can do when they're, uh, when they're clicking on all cylinders in a given game, and they're going to have those two in the mix. That Centennial team, man, if there was any one team last year during Liberty's big playoff run that was wondering what could have been, it had to have been Centennial, who had a chance to knock out Liberty from the free throw line in the regional quarterfinals, and they fell short in that capacity. That was the closest that any team played um, Liberty all postseason. So as Liberty then goes on to win state, you know, and that's not to say that you know the same the same bounces would have gone that way for Centennial, but yeah. it definitely does leave a sense of like, oh man, what could we have done if we could have just we won that all game? The way. Um, and then you know Liberty. Obviously, in fourth place, you can never count them out with no. all the experience that they have. And, you know, obviously, the start of the year was a little bit, you know, janky for them not having their uh, their MVP, Jazzy Owens Barnett, who was battling a uh, an Achilles injury and whatnot. So, but they've nevertheless, you know, been able to stabilize. They're still going to play that same old, just grinding defensive style of basketball under Ross Reedy that's been so central to their program success for years. And, yeah, I mean, they're only lost to, uh, to Lone Star. They're only, um, actually, of their major losses, they did have one to Lone Star, but it was a game that was played almost entirely on uh, Liberty's terms. It was 32 to 30, which is exactly the way that Liberty wants it. So, yeah, I mean, just imagine, though, if you're the uh, if you're the one seed over in District 10-5A, who I believe right now that's Wiley East. Um, could be McKinney North. McKinney North might make a bit of a push in even that series there. But nevertheless, it is Wiley East. And imagine, though, if that is your first entry in the postseason as you draw the reigning state champions. Oh, that's to yeah. It's, uh, it's never a dull moment no. though, in Frisco ISD girls basketball. And then on the boys' side, you've got uh, three teams that have 10 wins apiece. Um, atop the standings right now is Frisco-Wakeland. They are 10-1. and one. And then you have a tie for second place between Frisco and Frisco Heritage. Um, Wakeland has, uh, has kind of restored order there as far as being the uh, the team to beat. They uh, they did split the season series with Frisco, who's in second place. Um, you know, Frisco got the better of them that first matchup, and then they rematched on Friday. This one, a bit more authoritative. For the uh, for the Wolverines, a seventy three to fifty four victory. Um, it was again a competitive game in the first half, and then Wakeland kind of put it to him a bit in the third quarter, outscored him twenty one to eleven. Got a huge night from Cooper Cisco, who's an all area guy, Star Local Media. He was um, he had twenty eight points in that one. So Wakeland, you know, kind of restoring order there as far as being the team to beat. I believe they entered the year as the projected district uh, district champion. You know, with Frisco and Heritage being tied, that's um, you know, seeing Heritage's inclusion there is um, is a bit interesting. And Frisco has been a strong team all season. They were state ranked for a bit. Um, you know, with Heritage though, they have just three playoff appearances in their history. How many years have they been a, a school? 
oh, I don't know exactly the uh, the number, but it's not a program that has, you know, much of it. And I think they've only got, just in that history, two playoff wins period. So it's not a program that has, you know, a whole lot of just real mm-hmm. tried-and-true tradition when it comes to comes to, uh, to boys' basketball. So to see, you know, a year like this, and they've really kind of caught fire of late because they were, you know, hovering right around 500 for most of the uh, the first half of district. They were just 4-3 and three at one point, and then since then they've won six straight, including a win over Frisco. So you have that win over an upper echelon team of the district to kind of you know, better, uh, better kind of uh, solidify this momentum that you're on, and you're not just taking advantage of the uh, of the uh, you know the mid to lower rung teams in the district. No you know, but they did uh, they did have to gut out a pretty close one on Friday. They did have to hold off Independence for a 66 to 64 victory. They got 19 points apiece from Nicholas Jett and Julian Cleary. So, uh, yeah, some good things happening over in uh, over in Heritage, and they got a uh, they got a big big uh, big stretch coming up Friday though. They got a uh, guess games against Wakeland and Memorial, who's in fourth place. A really good memorial team on the docket um, as far as this Friday and then next Tuesday. So a stretch that could, um, yeah, could very well decide whether this team's able to maybe climb one rung further, maybe get that two seed outright um, in the uh, in the race over a nine five A. So yeah, that's just a look at some things that are going on. Fresco, want to just pass along some notes there. Um, so then we can now look over at um, just kind of a look as far as what's kind of on the docket for this week. Because yeah, we obviously have kind of set the stage based on what's happened over this past week. So elsewhere in our coverage area. David, what is on your radar for this week? Well, I'm going to talk about my coverage radar here in just a second. But like, since you're talking about you're taking over for Devin's, you know, portion here today, Mm -hmm. I want to extend Devin's portion a little bit out east right here. I'm going to do my best, Devin. I promise. You've got a couple if, for Saxy. I know we get Saxy on this program a lot, a lot of viewers on here. So mm-hmm. I want to just talk, talk yeah, yeah. Saxy here a little yeah, bit. A lively student body at Saxy. Absolutely. So um, they got a couple big games coming up. Um, they're in second place in their district right now. They're nine and five overall, five and one in their mm-hmm. district. Um, they, tomorrow night they got a big game against Garland. Uh, Garland's in fourth place in their district. They're eleven and two overall. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a game that. That's sexy. You know, if they win this game, you know, they'll, they'll get like one. It seems like they'll get one of the top three seeds for sure. Um, so Garland, they actually lost to Garland 49 to 44 on, on, uh, on the sixth of this month. Um, in that game, uh, like sexy fell behind, you know, in the first half, pretty big, pretty big. Um, they only had 15 points at halftime mm-hmm. and, um, they actually, they were chilling uh, 27 to 15 at halftime. It's just kind of a low-scoring game for them. And then they turned it on the third quarter. They outscored Garland 22 to 6. Really? So they took a lead going into the fourth quarter. Then huh. Garland kind of flipped the script and outscored them to win by five points, I believe it was. So 49 to 44. Um, so um, obviously, Saxe's going to look for a little bit of revenge in this game, too. Um, in that game, uh, their quarterback... Alex Orjai, who's mm-hmm. at now playing basketball. He, he can had, just do everything. He can, can do he? everything. He, he scored 16 points for them in that game. Goodness. So, um, you know, like, you know, I'm trying to learn more about Saxe, too. So, like, he, you know, he, he had a big game for them. Uh, Dylan McKeon, he had 12 points for them. Kai Smith had 10. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what kind of balance scoring they get tomorrow against Garland to kind of see if they can get the revenge game as well, too. Okay. Um, so, they have that game tomorrow. And then next week, uh, next Tuesday, they have uh, a game against the district leader, uh, Wiley. Okay. So, I mean, you took – 
if, if they win those two games right there, I mean, you know, Sachse setting itself up for a lot, you know, so pretty pretty good seed right there heading into the playoffs. Which is good because, yeah, I mean, that program, you just you think of what they were just uh, just a few years ago, and they were just like the one sport at Sachse that wasn't amazing at everything. And now since hiring Zach Mikesell, they've uh, they've really turned the corner as far as being a, uh, a just a, a perennially competitive team, which mm-hmm. is really nice to see. Oh. Elsewhere, though. One. Elsewhere. Um uh, we haven't touched on the colony just yet. Not yet. So let's. What let's you talk, got on the colony? Let's check on the colony. Um, they are coming back to basketball this week uh, after a little bit of a quarantine. Okay. And they don't have any games tomorrow or to today or tomorrow. But starting on Wednesday, they're going to be playing four games in four days. So wow. and this is like right in the heat of a, like right in the heat of the district schedule right there. So Wednesday at Sherman, Thursday at Wiley East. I'll be out there for that game. Okay. Uh, Friday against McKinney North, and then Saturday they got they'll conclude that schedule with uh, afternoon game at Rock Hill. Okay. Wow, those last two are big. Yeah, yeah. those last two are big. So I'll be. It's going to be interesting to see you know how how, how well they're going to you know be able to withstand all those four games right there. Um, so. Uh, the, they actually haven't played Rock Hill yet this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Rock Hill's, you know, I think they're third place in the district right they now. They are. They used to be. I mean, they were state ranked for a good chunk yeah. of the first half of the year, and they were up until they lost games to both uh, Lovejoy and McKinney North and knocked them a bit back in the pack. But that was a team that at least early on looked like they might be able to contend for a district title, which considering it's a first-year varsity program, impressive. impressive. Yeah. And, you, you know, you didn't have, like, you know, the, hardly the spring or the summer to get back to get some chemistry because of all the COVID. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, props to them. Um, and those two teams are going to be playing twice, you know, including February 9th, which is the right last game of the regular season. Okay. Um, and the Cougars, uh, they've, they played Sherman once this year. They beat them by one point seventy two to seventy one, and then Wiley East, who they're going to play on Thursday, they beat them by thirty points, eighty two to fifty two. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they can, you know, get those two first two games, that'd be huge. Because yeah. right now they're in fourth place in their district, and you know, fourth place in that district looks like it's going to be a, a game against uh, probably Wakeland right there. Yeah, as of right now, at least it would uh, it would appear that way. So, I mean, and, and this is a colony team. You know, they've they made the playoffs, you know, quite a bit. Um, you know, they were second place in their district last year. Um, obviously, they lost their district MVP, Keith Miller, who's now playing uh, football at Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still got some some really good pieces to that team right there. Um, Tay Mosher, who's already signed with East Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, he can go off. Like, he can score 25, 30 points a game if he wants to. And then uh, uh, one of my other one of uh, another good player on their team is Caden Sclafani. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Chadron State uh a pledge right there, and uh, a game of I saw a few couple a game the other week against uh, Lovejoy. He had 19 points in that game. He's just a strong three point shooter out there. Um, and then they have some, you know, some, you know, some death players as well to uh, Grayson Ryan, a junior who's mm-hmm. at Cleve Ryan's son right there, okay. the head coach. Cool. Um, uh, Braxton McCutcheon, he's a senior as well too. Um, so you know, and Jaden Davis, I think he's just a, a I think he's a. Senior, so hopefully, I, hopefully I get that right. <laughs> um, edit me if you can. Um, but he's he's been really good for them. Uh, Jaden Cotto, who's uh, who's the brother of uh, of uh, Arai Cotto, who's team, playing yeah. on the girls' basketball team. So uh, they got some good death points of this uh, on this team right here. So um, obviously, if they can win these two games right here, that like I said, it'll be huge for them. Um, and 
obviously one more thing I want to say is that um, Tay Mosier, um, he actually scored his thousandth point recently oh, cool. in a game against Denison. That's a nice little milestone. That's a little milestone. And the coach was happy to do it that he got it in the first quarter, so he didn't have to worry about it the rest of the game. So so just congratulations to you, Tay. I've talked to you a few times. You know, just a real class act kid, you know, really, you know, Compet- amazing competitors. So, mm-hmm. you know, just big props to you. Awesome. What about, I know there's a big game coming up on Friday over in Lake Dallas that I'm sure you wanted to touch on a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Lake Dallas is going to be hosting Grapevine. Mm-hmm. And this is a game that's more than likely going to, if, if, especially if Lake Dallas wins, that uh, could decide the district title. Okay. Uh, the the six five eight title. Uh, this is a game that was uh, the first matchup was played on January fifth, and this is like one of the few, only probably the only game that Lake Dallas has had close in district play, mm-hmm. and this uh, uh, the. Lake Dallas actually won 69 to 66 in overtime. And this is a game that they're actually trailing about four points in the fourth quarter. So they got out this win. Um, Georgia Elliott, um, who's a, one of the junior uh, jump shooters on this team, she had 29 points in that game right there. Um, a sophomore, Cameron Richardson, who's, you know, really played well this year, uh, she had 18 points uh, in that game as well, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and. And both of those teams, like, they're just on fire right now. Uh, Lake Dallas, like, uh, they've won 12 straight games, and they haven't lost since December 5th. Okay. And they're 10-0 in district play, twelve straight, won 12 straight games. And ever since that loss to Mesquite Horn, 45-35 uh, to 35 on December 6th, which was actually their last loss, they've won their average game games by an average of 27.7 points. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that Jeez. and that and that includes even if you factor in the grapevine the overtime went against Grapevine mm-hmm. and a game you also non district game that you had against L D Bell. So even if you include those two games, they're still winning by almost twenty eight points a game. So uh and obviously that it's I don't you're probably not going to see a 28-point differential in Friday's game. I would. It seems unlikely. Yeah. But, you know, crazier things have they, happened, Crazier I guess. things have happened. Um, but grapevines, you know, they're just up there as well, too. Um, Grapevine's 16-4 and four in the year. They're 8-1 and one district play. Both mm-hmm. teams are state-ranked. Uh, Lake Dallas uh, last week is number 16 in Class 5A. Okay. So, and Grapevine's, I think, is like around 2021 right there. So, I mean, this is, this is going to be another big battle right there. It's mm-hmm. just gonna, whoever's going to make the – the most amount of plays down the stretch is going to win it. On uh, on my end, as far as a couple things that are on uh, on my radar, you got a a pretty big game over in five six a on the girls' side on Tuesday out in Denton. You get the uh, the much anticipated rematch between Allen and Geyer. These are uh, the two teams that are at least currently vying for the district championship out there. Allen still undefeated in district. No one's been able to knock them off yet. They've had some close calls, but uh, they continue to uh, just click along and just win, just win, baby, win. And they are uh, twenty-four and three on the season. They're up to number nine in the state rankings, which is pretty pretty impressive when you look at just the uh, you know it's a team that had. I mean, last year was just such a strange year. You know, you're coming off the state semifinal appearance, you know, from a couple years earlier, and then you know last season they they ran the table in the first half of district play and then I think they won just one game in the second half and they just had such a such a rough finish to the season but they've uh, they've obviously been a much steadier it's been a much steadier product for head coach Teresa Durham and her uh, and her Lady Eagles so far um, you know you got to see him earlier in the season against uh, against Little Elm yep. in um, in a game with uh, you know Mackenzie Worm who's just been you know just such a such a, a matchup nightmare with her size and length down low you know Zoe Jackson a Butler commit running the show at point guard they've I mean they've just they've found a way uh, you know Thank you. 
they lost a lot else from the rotation, but they've kind of they've piecemealed it together with enough really quality rotation players. Laura Bello has been a player that's really helped kind of uh, fill that void left last year that uh, Zoe McCrary kind of held down low. Just gives them another option in the interior alongside Worm. Um, and they've, uh, you know, this first matchup against Geyer was right down to the wire. Allen only won this game by two points, 64-62. to 62, And you look at kind of the quarter-by-quarter quarter scores, and it was no team really kind of had much of an edge over the other most of the way. Um, so I, I don't know if we get kind of the same thing on uh, on Tuesday or not. But um, nevertheless, though, this one, if Allen is able to win, it would um, give them a very, very nice cushion with um, with respect to the district title race over in uh, over in 5-6-A. And then on Friday, um, another girls matchup. This one, though, back in 6-6-A. I mean, this matchup is always going to be on my radar anytime it pops up, and that is uh, Plano East and Plano. Um, it's become, you know, kind of the must-see attraction in Plano ISD basketball, and um, just with what um, you know, with what East is doing right now. Obviously, talked about them in great length last week. We almost had, we almost had our first case of the podcast jinx, um, you know, surface. So, um, you know, naturally, after we, uh, after I spend a, a segment talking about how awesome East has been, you know, last uh, East has been so far this season, they go out on Tuesday and. And then have to scrape out a game winner against Louisville, which um, I was there for that one. And um, yeah, I mean, it would have been a, you know, again, the uh, it would have been quite the jinx for uh, for the podcast to uh, heap praise on Plano East and then for them to turn around and then have their first district loss. But no, Tiana Amos came through in the clutch and uh, knocked down a couple big free throws and then a, uh, a, a game winner in the paint with uh, with one second left that ends up giving them the win oh, wow. over over Louisville. And um, yeah, so they uh, they avoided the podcast jinx. Um, but yes, they. Uh, they draw Plano. It's a it's a big week for Plano as far as potentially climbing the uh, the district standings. You know they were in fourth place at the midpoint, which would not have foreseen that coming. When you look at what this team had coming into the season, they were ranked in I believe six or seven heading into the season, um, and they were. I mean, they were, you know, they, they fell on. They had a really tough time kind of keeping their uh, their core together just because of, you know, quarantines and whatnot. And that's a team that had had a bit of a shutdown earlier in the season and just not a whole lot of time to really build a whole lot of continuity. Uh, but, you know, they were able to uh, avenge a prior district loss against Hebron last week um, in pretty decisive fashion. So a, a nice confidence boost for them heading into this week because they have games Tuesday against Louisville, who, like I just mentioned, Louisville, which took East right down to the wire. I believe that first matchup between Plano and Louisville was just as competitive. Um, Louisville's a really, really tough defensive team. <laughs> and obviously, Layla Lawrence, she was the co-defensive player of the year over in 6XA last year. Maya Dotson, their sophomore, she was honestly probably, you know, impressed me more than anybody else on the floor in that game against Plano East. She was all over the place on both ends of the floor making plays. Um, you know, with all that sophomore and underclass talent that Plano East has, it was Louisville's little sophomore Dotson that really did a good job mm-hmm. keeping them in front early on. Um, she was impressive. Hey, Allen had some big uh, some big moments in there. That's going to be a really tough matchup for Plano on Tuesday. And then they turn right around then and they have to play Plano East. And, you know, with Plano having been kind of the standard bearer in, uh, in Plano ISD girls basketball, I think I mentioned this last week, but just the run that they've been on as far as kind of taking the mantle as far as the team to beat in Plano. And then East now, I would have to – I didn't have the note in front of me as far as when the last time East swept the season series against Plano um, would be. But um, East won the first matchup 41-37, to just an absolute 
absolute defensive grinder of a, of a basketball game, um, which is I mean what you've come to expect between these two teams. But I would expect nothing less on Friday in this rematch. It is going to be at a, at Plano at a 7 p.m. So maybe the home court advantage is enough to sway momentum in the favor of the Lady Wildcats. But that's um, that's going to be a big one. And then the game on the boys' side is honestly just as pivotal as we were talking about earlier with the closely knit the playoff race in 6-6-A is right now. Mm-hmm. That game's going to be over at East that same time on Friday. Um, that should be a good one. So, uh, yeah, that's just uh, kind of a look at uh, some of the stuff that is on our docket later on this week. I actually got something on my docket tonight, too. Okay. Um, big game out of Prosper uh, between Little Elm and uh, Prosper for mm-hmm. girls basketball. Okay. Um, and Prosper right now, they're, they're, they hold the fourth seed in the in the district uh, 5-6-A. Um, but Little Elm, they're only a game behind them. Mm-hmm. And Little Elm's already beat them once this year. So, I mean, and with the district play kind of winding down here, this is a huge game for Little Elm. Mm-hmm. Like they, it seems like this is like a must-win game right here. Because not only do you get the season sweep right there, you, you're going to leapfrog into the fourth place right there. Even though the records are even, you get that head-to-head tiebreaker because you swept them this yeah. year. Um so uh, Little Elm, uh, they're kind of looking, you know, f- to get back on the winning note right now. They're they've they've lost four four straight games coming into tonight, and av- and all of them they've been averaged by almost seventeen points. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's a game that Little Elm really needs really badly. Um, they've lost a Geyer, McKinney, um, uh, Braswell, and Allen. So and. And like in a couple of those games right there, they didn't. They barely shot thirty percent from the field. Mm-hmm. So the, the, hopefully they can kind of turn that around a little bit against a Prosper team. They didn't make the playoffs last year, but they made it two years ago. Oh yeah, no, they went all the way to the. Uh, to the I believe that was the regional final year where they were. I mean, they had a massive lead on Allen in that game mm-hmm. with Jordan Oliver and that's in that squad that, yeah, had the had the chops to make state that year. Yeah. So, yep, that's that's tonight, 6 o'clock over there at, at uh, Prosper. So, um, obviously, Little Elm, uh, they made the playoffs last year for the first time and if you, and since the 2016-17 season. Okay. Uh, they got a new head coach in Kristen Coffey last year. Um, obviously, they had an outstanding freshman last year who's now a sophomore, Amarachi Kimson, who was actually our newcomer of the year last year for mm-hmm. the all-area basketball. So, um, and she's, she's picked up where she left off, right? They're averaging over 20 points a game right here. So, I'm I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch her again tonight. Um, obviously, it's interesting to kind of see what Prosper can do as far as, like, counter- counteracting that right there. Mm. So, good game tonight. Should be fun. Yep. All righty. So, let's, uh, we can close up shop and get on out of here, David. So, yes, uh, yes that is a look at some of, the, uh, some of the notable happenings going on right now in our coverage area with respect to high school basketball. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, back next week to talk about uh, some more of it. Always a fun time. So, yes, um, that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Until next time, folks, take care. We will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. 
Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.